Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I am talking to Jason Glick and Danielle Weathers of Chapel Theater Collective. Thank you so much for coming by today. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's really exciting what you're doing. And I loved when I was looking at your website, you're forwarding the effort towards social justice. And I, I think that that is on everyone's lips all arts organizations, and how are you putting those words into action at Chapel Theater Collective? Uh, yeah, it's... it's Big the, question right off the bat. Right, it is. Let's start with the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of us, Danielle, I, and our third uh, associate artistic director, Aaliyah, that's, that's why theater is rewarding to us is that ability to tackle mm-hmm. that stuff and, and try and open perspectives wider than they might be. Um, and so, so when we look for stories, uh, we look for things that comment on that deeper picture, that societal picture. And so we've always gravitated towards that. And when the opportunity came to actually have a producing company, mm-hmm. it's a natural fit. And I know, Danielle, you've been uh, doing play readings for a long time and really exploring uh, new work. And I'm curious, is your audience open to changing their mind about things? That's a great question. I think that's why um, Reading Parlor initially as kind of a precursor to what we're doing right now, it was a really great way to kind of date the community artistically mm-hmm. and foster the development of that relationship to see what sort of bandwidth we had with regards to open discussion about topics that, you know, for the most part, folks that come to those readings and initially our primary early audience base for chapel, I would say somewhat align with some of the things that we may initially come to politically or um, on many spectrums. But being in an environment where we're opening it up to other uh, political views, definitely our second show aligns with that Mm -hmm. in a great way. That's why we chose it. It's it's going to involve a lot of discussion afterward for good reason. It's interesting to me because I know we're all thinking about programming in that way. And the piece of the puzzle that's really a, a tough nut to crack is who is coming. Right. And are they, is it possible to have an, a person who might hold an absolutely opposite point of view? Is it, is that, what are we going for? I think to have a script where you really toe the line right on the fence of both sides of the spectrum and really allow people to see another's viewpoint Mm -hmm. um and ideally with tremendous writing and an ideal cast a great director Mm -hmm. um but to allow infuse it with humor to allow that to be the medicinal compound to Mm -hmm. to allow conversation to take place Um, and that's what we're banking on (laughs) your first play is anatomy of a hug by cat ramsberg and you're directing jason and so uh what age range would you say this is appropriate for what a great question um i'm bringing my 13 year old he mm-hmm. he uh you know i i was speaking to a parent at, at temple yesterday who asked if it was okay for her kids 
who are uh, nine and thirteen, and and to piggyback on what Danielle said, there's nothing really violent, but there there are adult themes. Mm-hmm. There is adult language, and we sort of looked at each other and said, "Well, they can come, and maybe we'll just have a conversation with our children afterwards." Right. And we sort of laughed and said, "What a concept!" Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. Uh, I, I guess uh, in the interest of, of bringing these topics to the forefront, that it, that it fosters all kinds of communication, uh, both with spouses that might come for a date night, but also what it means to uh, lose a parent mm-hmm. and, and, and topics like that and, and how that might be different generationally. Uh, and it, it tackles that too and, and some familial dysfunction along along the way in anticipation of that. Um, so I would say don't bring a four-year-old, uh, <laughs> but I, I would say uh, as, as long as there's some sort of academic development, uh, certainly, uh, you know, nine and up. Hmm. Nice. So you both are parents. Yes. We are. And I'm wondering as parents, how are you created with your children and what do you think is possible and important to impart through the creative process? What a great question. Well, I definitely take the kids to a lot of plays. I've seen them in a um, lot, a lot. <laughs> to spur conversation that um, is beyond my brain capacity sometimes with the myriad of things that we all have on the proverbial plate as a parent, right? Not to mention to, that they don't really want to know what you think anyway. Right, <laughs> right. But, you know, put them in a peer situation with fellow artists and holy cow, do we have a great conversation in the car on the way home, right? Right. Um, and, and also in this day and age, and I think everyone in this room, we can all attest to this in a digital age, to be able to have that offline time just to engage in a live room with a live experience mm-hmm. is gold. Is, is the best vitamin um, to spur a conversation, to help me to show that I even need to have a conversation to see what I think and to allow them to begin their own ownership on, wow, what did I think about that? Or, mm. um, but to just spur a conversation, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. It's so funny. The other day I participated in a meeting, uh, one of the what Google Hangout, you know, and of course nowadays you end up having meetings and things far away and I and it's so dissatisfying to communicate in that way out of a room without the breath and the air between you. And I remember reading a story recently, and I don't know if it was about music or theater, but somehow I think it was theater, that now they're doing studies about the collective heartbeat of audience. Yes, I saw that. And I'm just I mean, if that's not an indicator yeah. about how important I don't know. Yeah, well, and both of you know my 13 year old is often my play date uh, <laughs> because uh, my wife, who is also an actress, is a flight attendant. Uh-huh. So she's gone a lot. So if I want to see shows, I, I bring my 13 year old, and, and uh, you know, he's become quite the astute audience member. <laughs> uh, Very adept. A long. Along those lines, uh, you know, he, he does have screen time, but that screen time for us is allowed because he also engages mm-hmm. and he also has that tactile uh, kind of pursuit of, of 
of in-person engagement, I guess. Hmm. So you do a lot of theater activities with the kids. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, what don't we do? <laughs> yeah, Swim, I mean, we play ball, we right. play basketball, we get out to the park all I mean, the time. Ethan just started fencing, uh, so he's doing fencing. and oh, and um, And life is four, but he's, you know... Doing soccer. He's and also swimming. fencing with just a he's tiny, also, tiny little he, Right. That's right. That's right. A tiny little thing. <laughs> yeah. It's all over the map. So I think it, I think the point is is that wide ranging diversity mm. that creates a whole person right. is is the point as much as we can have on our proverbial plate. So <laughs> how do you create a healthy collective in your administration and your Well, trust. Mm-hmm. And that's your I'm, core value. Would I you mean, say? I I One have mm-hmm. learned a lot in thirty years of trying what not to do, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a difference between starting a company with friends you've done shows with, mm-hmm. and starting a company with substantive artists and friends that you know share an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Describe your aesthetic then. Um. Ensemble, collaborative. Um, so and picking it, plays that have a, a non-star kind of feel. Uh, uh, so far, is that uh, yes and no? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Anatomy of a Hug is a is a pretty nice vehicle for our two leading ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not it, it's a it's more of um, philosophical approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we talk about no ego in the room quite mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that we're serving the stories rather than ourselves. Or How, what does that look like? I mean, it's interesting because I've been in many a room, you know. And I think about that as a woman. I think about it often. Sure. Uh, wow, how many times have I been directed by a woman or a man, and mm. how does that impact? So, how is mm. you as a male director? How do you open that door? Because you are the leader. Can you know, like we were talking earlier about music? Can a piece be conducted, or can a piece go forward without a conductor or with a gentle? How do you have a gentle hand or open door? Uh, I think more so as long as ego's left out of the room. So, I don't I don't ever I try and guide what's already coming mm-hmm. as opposed to dictate what should come. And I think that's the collaborative part of it. Mm-hmm. Um I you know, one of uh my actors who can only come initially on Fridays and Saturdays because mm-hmm. she has a day job remarked uh on the way home how how welcoming the group was and mm. how easy it was to forge connections on stage. Mm. And I thought that was a beautiful way to phrase the result of trying to keep ego out of the room. Mm. Uh, everyone's, everyone's in it to see what's available story-wise and with their own craft, mm. as opposed to how is this moment making me look and things like that. So mm. I view my job as a director... That when I cast brilliant people, mm-hmm. which I feel I have, mm-hmm. is is to stay out of the way mm-hmm. somewhat, and then shape the overall arc of the piece mm-hmm. uh, as they bring those things. So, what are the grandest themes of Anatomy of a Hug? <sighs> Susanna, these questions are excellent. Uh, yeah. Wow! I'm, uh, <laughs> thank um, you. I feel- <laughs> family, mm. cope, uh, coping, regret. 
um, protections, uh, walls that we put up to survive trauma Mm -hmm. and um, past hurt Mm -hmm. is a huge part of it uh, for our lead character. And then uh, I would say a central thematic element is, is... the identification of all these guards that we put up to survive. Mm -hmm. And then what does it take to chip away at those guards Mm -hmm. as we get older and, and strive for connection, which is the theme of our first season Mm -hmm. is connect and connection. And so it's about people seeing those guards and trying to find a way in. Mm -hmm. And then how does the guarded one Mm -hmm. either allow or not allow that in? Well, I know Danielle has to leave relatively quickly, but I'd love for you to chime in in any way about the the play and the first play of the season. I'm really excited, and I believe you know Kat Ramsberg as well, Mm -hmm. our playwright, who we're so excited to have in the mix during a portion of the process Mm -hmm. and for talk and a talk back as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think her sense of dialogue and just her sense of story. is for me she's young for the writing that she brings forth Mm -hmm. and um I love that without ever allowing herself to make it precious or getting sentimental um she lets us go on a ride with someone who has incurred so much challenge in her life Mm. and just to be able to have some folks who even at our first read, we were lucky to have some folks come in and just, wow, did it hit home for them. And they're very, there was enough space for the audience to bring their own personal history into it. And we had some wonderful conversations afterward. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a testament to something we do talk a lot about, about just making sure that the right people are in the room, the 110%. And you bring up a great point because you're in Milwaukee, right, Oregon, where there is not an arts organization that I'm aware of. Not until now. And so how does that feel? Well, you know, as, as Danielle said prior that there's this alignment initially of reading parlor and chapel. One of, one of the uh, absolute goals of the owners, Corinne and Aliyah is to bring in the Milwaukee mm-hmm. yes. uh, community, and we're working very hard in choosing that stuff and and in including them. And there's been a wonderful response. The mayor immediate he did our uh, ribbon cutting, yeah. mm. and and he he said that this is this is the next step for Milwaukee. You know mm. that there's and and our. <laughs> thrust of letting people know is you know we're in downtown selwood now we're a mile from here it took me five minutes to get here oh, that's so milwaukee's such an expansive area mm-hmm. we are on the portland side of it mm-hmm. and and really accessible so lots of restaurants lots of places to yeah. park yeah so everyone should make the experiment Absolutely. That's right. She come out on a date with us. That's right, right. right. First date. Well, Danielle, I'll I want to be honorable and it's 201. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so, if you'd like to leave and then we'll we'll, we'll just keep recording while, while I open the door and then Great. we'll Thanks for having. Me. Of course, a pleasure. I love So everybody knows that Anatomy of a Hug by Kat Ramsberg is going to preview on October 4th. Mm-hmm. It's going to open on October 5th. That's right. And it's going to close on October 20th. Correct. And you can find out all this information about the show at chapeltheatercollective.com. That's right. 
Jason's directing it. Um, refresh my memory as to the entire company, if you're able. Yeah. So um, Jacqueline Maddox, mm -hmm. who's well known to local audiences, uh, and uh, Jessica Hillenbrand mm -hmm. are our two uh, leading ladies. And then Marie Lazaroff Babin mm -hmm. uh, is playing the suitor. Uh, <laughs> And then Shireen Jacobs is uh, playing the caseworker mm -hmm. uh, for Jacqueline and, and really the caseworker for the family. So it's just four really wonderfully talented people that, that were just finishing our first week of rehearsal or I guess starting our second. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've all just come invested and willing to risk and go there and... Um, it's we only have three weeks of rehearsal, but it's it's already at a at a place that is so shapeable, hmm. and and uh, I'm having a blast. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun being in that room with those specific people. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, and Kat, I've had multiple conversations with her, and and as Danielle said, she she just knows her craft, and the story is so vibrant and personal and engaging. Um, our table work that we did, you know, it, it reads richly, mm. uh, but the table work yielded such nuance. Well, that's interesting term that some people may not know what it means. Sure. Can you describe it a little bit? Yeah, it, it is what it sounds like. It's sitting around the table and, and going scene by scene and picking it apart about, you know, what are the moments that really resonate and, and, What's the the um, arc of the scene, and then the arc of the play that the message that we want to send to the audience, mm -hmm. and it's the first time for the company, as you put it, to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. So that as we start to put the piece on its feet, we all are starting from a similar goal point. Well, especially when you're depicting a story of a of a family. Mm -hmm. there, you have to build a sense of the past absolutely, and the history and build a, a history that everyone can draw on. That's right. And make sure that that history is shared and understood mm -hmm. versus four separate actors choosing different ones and mm -hmm. trying to carve the piece out of that. Yeah, interesting, right? Because the reality is that our histories are all unique to us, right. even though we think we were at the same place, the same thing happened, but ask any sibling, you know, right. what happened the same event. on this day, you know, exactly. so isn't that funny? I never thought yeah. about that because as actors, I like to gravitate to that, that solidity yeah. of the, the past, but yeah. it, it's really not realistic at all. No, it's all based well, now on... now I'm screwed up. <laughs> right. I go into rehearsal tomorrow. I'm real... Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all based on the perspective of the observer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... It, it is. And, and so... So we have to at least come as a collective to the same observations we're hmm. making. So the the social justice piece in regard to this play, uh, how how does that play out? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I I it is part of our mission statement as a uh, group. Mm -hmm. uh, there might be shows that are less centrally focused on social justice mm -hmm. than others. Mm -hmm. um, but this one deals with product of the foster homes mm -hmm. uh, being raised through that uh, and and the effect that that has. So it's shedding some nice light on a world that many people may not have any 
yeah. idea about. Yeah, and, and, and how that creates the walls, mm-hmm. the lack of trust that comes from being uh, handed off multiple mm. times. Right, abandonment. Yes, huge. That's yeah. a huge piece. And it's a huge piece right now in our world with parents and children being separated and what the real ramifications of children losing that bedrock of trust. Oh, the trauma, you know, even temporarily Mm -hmm. separated. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot this week, despite the dysfunction, Mm -hmm. there is an inherent, I want my mommy Mm -hmm. in all of us when things go wrong. That's right. And, and, uh, so we've talked a lot about how does that come up when you've been without your biological mother for mm-hmm. so long, um, uh, but still viscerally want that fulfillment. It's an interesting question. I think it pours into spiritual questions about where we come from sure. and where love comes from yeah. and how and what creates bonds. Yeah. It's so fascinating. So it's great to get a peek into one story that sheds some light on that big question. Yeah. You know, that's fascinating. So tell us about the rest of the plays that you're doing this season. So so uh, Danielle made reference to our second show. We, mm-hmm. just, we just did a night to usher in the high holidays up at uh, the temple that I attend mm-hmm. and we read excerpts from all three shows. Oh, wonderful. The second one is called Friends with Guns and it kind of turns the um, gun control debate on its head hmm. uh, uh, without giving too much away. Uh, you know, I think that as we talked about before, it's it's very easy in, in today's society to do an us versus them mm-hmm. separation and division and this presents uh, the the gun owner mm-hmm. as responsible and level-headed and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. and the anti-gun uh, as unhinged mm. and and completely uh, irresponsible about his inability to have the conversation. And so it was fascinating to me. And I have to admit that I initially said no when it was sent to me because I'm so frustrated by the impasse in society today, the inability to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and I'm playing the irrational liberal. So, so it just didn't sit well. And it took my cohorts to say, isn't that why we do it? And, and we talk a lot about holding up the right mirrors. Mm. And this holds up a, a really interesting mirror mm. to that question. And then you'll have three plays in this season? Yeah. The third one is a real hot ticket item that mm. uh, we actually uh, entered into a bidding war to get the rights for. Exciting. Yeah, it was uh, for our first season. It's called Curve of Departure by Rachel Bonds. Who's who's uh, very exciting playwright, and Danielle's going to direct that one. And mm. boy, that's hard to describe. It's is Danielle it, going to act in any of the shows? She will be my wife in the second one. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, um, yeah. So we're we're I just all look forward to seeing her on stage so much, and you as well. She's great. Yeah. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, Curve of Departure is the coming together of a uh, alternative family at. at the uh, uh, funeral of 
uh, for the funeral of a sort of a deadbeat dad situation. Mm. Um, a lot of cool things to look forward yeah, to this season. Yeah, it's packed. Wow. It's packed. So come and see the inaugural season of Chapel Theater Collective. It's a great way to support uh, another geographic location in Portland mm-hmm. and to see great work by passionate people who have, you know, great ideas behind the work they're doing. You can come see Anatomy of a Hug by Kat Ramsberg, previewing on October 4th. Which is pay what you will. Oh, All Thursdays are pay what you will. Great to know. And, oh, so you're running Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Uh, We have a three-week run, and for the first two weeks, it's Thursday through Sunday with a Sunday matinee at 2. But we're closing on a Saturday night Mm -hmm. rather than a Sunday matinee. Mm -hmm. So that third week of the run is Wednesday through Saturday. Oh, nice. So you can find all that information out again, of course, at chapeltheatercollective.com. And thank you, Danielle and Jason. Danielle, who's already left, (laughs) but thank you, Jason, who's still here. Oh, thank you very much, Susanna. Yeah, pleasure. Looking forward to seeing all the work. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.